Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Dynasty Movement Podcast. It's Nick and Dakota here, and this week we're joined by critically acclaimed tight end Swami and newly enlarged mod, Scotty Knows. Scott, uh, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit today? I'm Scotty. A lot of you know me. I've been on the server for a couple years now. Uh, I am, as he said, a tight end enthusiast. I greatly enjoy them. And... I love Dynasty. I've been playing since 2015. I currently have three active leagues, two with some friends and one with people from this server. And yeah, I'm just here to have a good time. Right on, dude. So today, we will, uh, we've got a few topics today. First and foremost is this one. Before I even get into the topics, uh, we're going to keep it a little shorter from here on out, about an hour, hour and a half for podcasts. Uh, we are killing Pete. He has to watch every single one of these and pause and edit them and stuff, and he does it for free. So we're, we're making the load a little easier for him. Um, and then hopefully it'll come out before Thursday games. Uh, but that's that's up to him. We're not going to push it. It's already free work. But other than that, we're going to go over rookie tight ends so far, since we have Scotty here, and it's the only time we're going to have an informed uh, opinion on rookie tight ends <laughs> instead of just no, talking they, they on their ass. They do not get enough love sometimes. I know this year is different. This year, people are talking about them. Yeah. But normally, they're just completely under the radar. We're going to get you guys sick of them. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk. supposed to be under the radar? Like, how many times, like, is there honestly, like, a full class of rookie tight ends? Well, this we'll year really isn't that different. It's just that tight end is so terrible, as you talked about last week that they stand out a bit more. I feel like this this year, maybe prospect-wise, wasn't uh, um, wasn't that much different. But I, I do feel like this is the, the most, like, this has the highest amount of rookie tight ends making, like, an impact that I can remember in, like, my, you know, six, six or seven years playing Dynasty. It, doesn't it feel like the rookie tight ends are kind of popping off? Like, there's more of them popping off? Uh, I would not really agree with that just because, like I said, I think it's just that our standards are really low right now. Because if you look at the tight end numbers right now, the only tight end that even has 100 yards this season is Bellinger. Nobody else has even hit 100 yards yet. We have Dolchich, who just made his debut this week, who is going to get there. And... A lot of guys who are flashing for a game or another game, but really not sustaining it. The only guy that's been a weekly performer is Daniel Bellinger. You also have, uh, you know, maybe it's just like the the Ravens fan in me, but you have like Isaiah Likely, who is making a lot of noise. And, you know, obviously he has to contend with Mark Andrews, but he's been pushing for playing time. Um I feel like every year there's usually just like that top tight end prospect. You know, the last couple right. of years you had Pitts and you had Hawk and whatnot. Um, but there, there's not really like an array of dudes that even even have that like flash in the pan as a rookie. You know, like tight end <laughs> seems to be the one position that everybody feels um, 
not not like comfortable with, but like okay with just them completely not doing anything fantasy wise their first year. Right. And historically, that's usually not that important. Like first year production is not that huge of an indicator for tight ends. Is you look back at all the great tight ends who have done jack shit their rookie year. Like Travis Kelsey was hurt his entire rookie year. You have the exceptions like Rob Gronkowski. But for the most part, tight ends usually aren't producing right away. When they do, it's great, but it's not necessary. Yeah, and I mean, you can even look back at guys like Delaney Walker, uh, Greg Olson, um, who were very consistent top-end tight ends in fantasy for a long time in their mid-late 20s into their early 30s, who their first three or four years were basically useless. Right. Um, yeah, and then when I've done my own research into it, just with my crazy spreadsheets I put together on tight ends, because I'm just a weird dude sometimes, what I've usually found is that, for the most part, if you're a great tight end, you're going to break out in your second or third season. Most of them are in their second year, regardless of what they did their first year. Some are third year, and after that, it gets really sketchy. You get a lot of guys that'll just pop up for one year, like the Gary Barnage types. And then you get the really surprising ones like Delaney Walker, who he was in like his sixth, seventh season, and then he became a consistent tight end one. I mean, Logan Thomas is doing that now, too. Logan yeah, I mean, Thomas he, he is a little a different. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he converted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that he was, was another different. guy where basically out of nowhere, he was, what, the third string on the Lions behind... Mm-hmm. Uh, a rookie hawk and Jesse James. Oh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't on the Lions during the same time as Hawk. Or was it? Or no, no there was. He was on the Lions. Uh, he spent but, a year there. Yeah, he moved over to Washington, and then there was kind of like a quiet, uh, very deep. Because this is the reason why I picked him up. But at the beginning of the that season, when he moved to Washington. People were kind of hypothesizing, like, hey, this guy might be, like, a pretty good dart throw. I think it was actually the year after Darren Waller popped off where he he went to Washington, and people were kind of looking at Darren Waller as sort of a use case for guys who haven't really done anything at tight end, whether that's because they were not really in the league like Darren Waller was or because... uh, you know, they played a completely different position like Logan Thomas did. Yeah, yeah. But, because the, the main thing at tight end, uh, I'm sure you would agree, Scotty, is uh, is really you you just want those guys to be pushing for playing time, you know? For sure. Yeah, when, uh, when a guy is getting on the field early, you have a better idea that the team values them. Because a lot of guys just will never get on the field, and then you're just sitting there for two, three years, saying they're like, you know tight ends take a while, but you'd really like to know, and you don't want to hold them that long. Like, I feel that way about, um, oh, his name is escaping me, the tight end on the Dolphins that they took a year or two ago. Hunter Long? Yeah, Long. Hunter Long. He was one I liked a lot, but he's just been invisible. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I've kind of given up on him. But... Well, and to that point, I mean, as bad of a season as Mike Gesicki's having, he's still probably one of the better tight ends in the league and is going to command a lot of those snaps. And Durham Smith is a very good blocker. So oh, for sure. no matter what snap it is, if it's third down and long, or if he's it's just a running play, there's someone probably better suited for it on the team. 
Right, and this week actually with Smythe was uh, out with injury, Hunter Long did take over most of his snap share on those blocking downs. But it's just, we're not really seeing a path to him actually becoming a receiving threat, which obviously is what matters for fantasy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of guys that it's hard to predict if they're going to be that guy that just has a good career with a blocker or if they're ever going to develop that other aspect like Kate Odden on the Buccaneers right now. You guys know I'm a Buccaneers fan. Love the team. I was not high on Kate Odden. He projected as a blocker. He was brought in to be that guy that would come in, help out on passing downs across from Cambrai usually. But he's really broken out into his own. Uh, he had 11 targets the last three weeks. He's been playing really high snaps. He's has low route participation still because he is still mainly a blocker. But I've been really impressed with what he's done so far given his profile coming in. And I feel like that happens more often than uh, we'd like to admit. I'm obviously not the guy to go out and give examples. I'm not <laughs> quite the uh, mean, tight end guy, but I feel like there's a lot of guys that just project to be like a 30% snap chair, like share blocking guy that just ends up taking over because they're good enough to get the snaps anyway. Absolutely. And not to compare them as players at all, but an example of that would be someone like George Kittle, mm-hmm. who his production in college was very similar to Kate Otten's. He was not a huge, like, receiving threat in college. He was had a decent target share, but on a low-volume offense. And nobody thought that he was going to break out into this receiving monster that he became. So it can happen. It's tough because tight ends can be so hard to predict. They have such a long development cycle. So many things can happen. Which that does bring me to another guy I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. That We mentioned Isaiah Likely earlier. That he got a lot of that hype in the preseason. People thought he could emerge as the third option for the Ravens. But he has, at least so far, kind of disappointed. He does lead, or he's tied with Bellinger for the lead in targets among rookie tight ends with 17. Mm-hmm. But his snap share has been going down each week and he's getting less and less involved in the offense. And just, uh, I believe, today or yesterday, the Ravens designated uh, Charlie Kolar to return from injured reserve, and they drafted him, I believe, 11 spots ahead of Isaiah Likely. Uh, He is a guy that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. Is he... I remembered his name popping up in the offseason is he more of a prototypical blocking tight end or is he more of that mixed use guy that we look for well he was used as a receiver a lot at iowa state i'm just looking back at his senior year he had 62 catches for 756 yards and six touchdowns he was their lead receiver he's a plus athlete across the board his RAS score, I believe, is 9.1. You know, big dude, fast. He's 6'6", runs a 4.62. Uh, the injuries have slowed him down. We didn't get workouts from him at, at a lot of the events. And he's going to be making his debut in the next two weeks, and it would not shock me at all if he just supplanted Isaiah Likely in the offense. 
Like, if I was picking one of them to emerge as a threat down the line that's someone you would actually want to use in fantasy, I'm taking Kolar over likely right now. So what you're saying is if I happened to be in a two-tight-end league with tight-end premium, mm -hmm. I should be targeting Charlie Kolar now while I can. I think he's worth a stash. Like, in deeper leagues especially, in normal, non-premium leagues, probably not worth the roster spot compared to who else you could have. Mm -hmm. But he's a guy that has those traits you look for. He has decent draft stock. He was a fourth-round pick, just like Likely. He has a great athletic profile. He has great college production. He's a type of guy that you really want to target as a potential guy that could break into the league as a threat. Especially down the yeah. road, even if he's a second uh, contract guy. Because a lot of these guys, I mean, with tight ends, it's for me, it's almost like the quarterback where you're just playing the long game and waiting for them to get the chance. Because it's not like running backs where they're being taken to just be be thrown into the fire. And by the time they're at their second contract, well, they're already over the hill. Or with wide receivers where you kind of just expect it right off the gate, or at least by season two. Um, So with Kolar, yeah. he's a guy you can just wait I'm, obviously, right. Mark Andrews isn't going anywhere, and 12 no. personnel isn't big enough where you can reasonably count on a second tight end on a team. But situations can change. Yeah, and that that kind of, like, talking about the, the different, like, development paths, you know, that we um, kind of touched on before, where some guys it takes forever to break out. Very rarely does somebody break out right away. Sometimes there's, like, those guys who are, like, are a flash in the pan. Um, but I think that we're also, we also have this kind of nebulous, uh, group of tight ends that, um, the, the two rookie tight ends for the Ravens are a good example of, of guys who seemingly have all the tools, uh, in their arsenal to be like a decent option, but they just have one of the few actual like elite tight ends or, or, or at least top end tight ends kind of blocking them um i was wondering if you if you have maybe any insight to those kinds of guys um i'm thinking like uh you know i don't know if you would still consider like darren waller an elite tight end but he's obviously like one of the the upper echelon guys but underneath him you kind of got you you have foster moreau who has been pretty capable when when he's had the limelight and, and been able to uh, be their main receiving tight end. Um, not so much this year, I don't think. <laughs> and then you also have, you know, somebody like uh, that I've been stashing for um, this year and last year, like Noah Gray, you know, who was hyped up all last year behind Travis Kelsey. Um, and you're just kind of like me, I'm scratching my head like, okay, do I keep holding this guy on because Kelsey's older or like what? Um, so what, what do you think about, like, those guys that kind of have, like, those top weapons, like, in front of them? I think that, especially with tight ends, the timeline we're working on is long. We, obviously, Mark Andrews is a stud. There's no way he's supplanting Mark Andrews in the next two, three years at least. But we don't know what the world's going to look like in that time. You can have a guy that gets hurt you can have maybe that he breaks out and they decide to trade him or maybe they just decide two tight end is going to be their norm for years at a time like the patriots did with uh gronkowski and hernandez back in the day i 
I get the concern, and obviously it limits the ceiling, but when we're just looking at player profiles, you just want to get the talent, and if it's there, it's going to work out somehow. There are the extreme examples of players that were blocked for a long time. I think Delaney Walker is actually one of them. Delaney Walker, back in the day, I remember watching him on the San Francisco 49ers for years. He was there for, I believe, eight seasons, seven or eight seasons, just backing up Vernon Davis or whoever else mm -hmm. was there at the time. And then he finally got his chance on the Titans when he was 29 years old and he broke out. Obviously, I wasn't stashing him on a dynasty league for eight years waiting for him to sign with the Titans. Yeah. But it does usually work out eventually if a guy is talented, is just what I'm trying to say. Hopefully, be it's before they're like. 29. But... Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, the, it's the Brandon Whedon path. <laughs> hey, if you start at 29, there's, <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up. Yep. No, Scotty, so, I have a question from uh, Silver in the live chat. He wants to know what how you feel about Mike Gesicki moving forward specifically. Uh, depressed. <laughs> I'm cheerfully depressed about Mike Gesicki. He is incredibly talented. He and Noah fans are those two guys that I've latched onto that they should be so much better than they are. Gesicki at least put up good numbers the last two years, but this new offense with the Dolphins, they just have no desire to make him a featured piece. So this last week, obviously an exception. They, he had a great game, but that was with uh, backup quarterbacks kind of playing a little bit of a different game. Mm -hmm. So would you say if Mike Kosicki, he's in a contract year, he's franchised mm -hmm. this year. Um, would you be in on him again if he happened to move into just a different offense altogether where they don't have two of the best wide receivers hogging <laughs> targets? I think um, so. I, I I think that... Like a place like Houston, could... for example, where right. they just need pass catchers in general. Right. I see him almost like a better version of what Gerald Everett is right now. Mm -hmm. Where Gerald Everett has become this journeyman who people get hyped about everywhere he signs. This year it's paying off a bit. Gesicki, I think, can be a better version of that. He's going to be a guy that signs somewhere that will give him opportunity, and he's going to give you decent numbers if he gets that opportunity. It's just hard to know what that's going to be right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like he's going to stay on the Dolphins with how they're using him. Maybe he does, and if he does, then I'm a little concerned. But I would love to see him be that guy who people are targeting as a steal in redraft leagues to like put him put up a good tight end one season for a year or two fair enough so i'm not super high on him i saw silver followed up talking about noah fant noah fant is so hard to evaluate he is in a completely different spot because he has had to change teams he's still working with as good as gino has been it's still a subpar passing offense as a whole he's been featured on and off it's so hard to tell Especially with the reemergence has... of Will Disley, who's actually always been fairly good when healthy. Yeah, oh, they have an interesting Colby. arrangement there. Even Colby uh, Parkinson's having a really good year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they use a lot of two tight end sets in Seattle. And Disley, his value really comes from being a release blocking tight end. He blocks, he releases, nobody's covering him. And he shines in that role. 
Noah Fant is more of a traditional receiving tight end, and he just has not gotten it done so far. I don't know if it's an issue with the scheme. I don't know if it's an issue with him, but his value has tanked, and rightfully so at this point. I'm still holding him in the leagues where I have him because I am unabashed in my love for his talent, but I am a bit concerned that things aren't going to get better anytime soon. So to you, Fant's kind of like having a Ferrari, that, but you're afraid to step on the gas almost. Pretty much. It's a little like O.J. Howard. Where you know it can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It just isn't happening. A little like O.J. Howard, but without the elite blocking prowess that kept O.J. Howard on the field early in his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very similar as receivers, but it's just tough to see a path forward for him if the Seahawks can... Maybe if the Seahawks get a new QB and Tyler Lockett leaves, maybe, but... I'm not holding out much hope right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Tight ends that are kind of beneath the radar uh, that are currently out there who who might be like the tight end two on a depth chart that you would want to highlight? <laughs> I have a uh, a deep, deep sleeper. We're going back to the rookie tight ends. It's Peyton Hendershot. He's the third tight end for Dallas. He's an undrafted free agent that uh, got some run the last few weeks with Schultz out. And Jake Ferguson got a lot of attention this week because obviously he had a decent game. But Hendershot's been right there next to him playing actually more snaps and has actually been performing well. He was a basically a wide receiver in college. He played at Indiana. He led the team in receiving. He was really good his sophomore year, fell off a bit his junior year, then had a resurgence as a senior. He wasn't drafted, but with Schultz on a contract year, we don't know if he's going to be coming back. For all we know, it might be Ferguson and Hendershot running the show in Dallas next year. And Hendershot, like I said, has actually been out snapping Ferguson, even with Schultz out. So... He's the type of guy that I'm keeping my eye on in deeper leagues. Uh, thank you for that. I just picked him up in my uh, two tight end TD, <laughs> like tight end premium league. Perfect. <laughs> oh, so he, he is an interesting. He's an interesting fellow. He's like I like I've talked about a few times. You want those markers. You want college production. You want a good athlete. He has that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the draft capital, obviously. There hasn't been a successful undrafted free tight end since, I believe, since Antonio Gates. Uh, In terms of one that's like become like a consistent tight end one, the closest we've had since then is Cameron Bray. Mm -hmm. So it's not common. It's very long odds, but he's the type of guy that in a deep league where nobody's talking about this guy. He could be someone that might have value to add. Fair enough. Um, as far as tight ends go in general, uh, is there anyone else you'd like to bring up before we move on? I think that covers everyone that I really wanted to talk about. All right. uh, we talked to all the relevant rookies. Nobody else has really done much yet other than, I guess, Jelani Woods. But Jelani Woods is kind of who he is at this point. He's a red zone threat. High upside, perfect Raz score, by the way. 10.0, greatest mm-hmm. tight end athlete of all time. But we'll see what happens with him. But otherwise, I think that about covers it. 
Um, if, uh, I guess my one last pot. question with tight ends, just to wrap up this topic in general, is so we all know that they're slow developers. So for people who I guess drafted Trey McBride in like the early second round, would you just say relax? He's going to take his time, kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, he he's started playing more snaps the last couple weeks as Zach Ertz hasn't been the most consistent, but. Zach Ertz is there to be the guy while he's under contract. And McBride is going to sit behind him and get his shot next year, almost certainly. And that's a great guy to learn behind anyway. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to be concerned at all by Trey McBride not doing anything this year. He's that perfect type of guy you talk about that he's the guy you buy after his rookie year because people are going to be disappointed when he only has, you know, 200 yards on the season might be a good buy absolutely um all right so our next topic for the day is bailey zappy uh what i have written in the uh script here is bailey zappy legit or unfit do you guys do you (laughs) think he's actually got a reasonable chance to be the guy in new england I mean, I'll say this, okay? Uh, Zappi's next opponent is one of the most formidable teams in the league. So this is a big test this week, okay? It's not every week that you go against the Chicago Bears. Um, I think that this is going to be a big test for him, really reveal his true character. Can he hang with the pros, or is, is he a flash in the pan? I kind of think uh, <laughs> I'm a bit more of a serious note. Um, I kind of think that Zappy's legit. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to overtake Mac Jones right away. Mm-hmm. But he is arguably... Uh, he's on the team where if you're a backup quarterback you are the most likely to have value going forward so i do think that zappy has shown enough right now where uh there's gonna be whispers about him you know either if mac jones is not doing that well or in the off season there's some team that needs uh another quarterback um either a qb1 or a qb2 like I think he's shown enough where Bill Belichick is, uh, you know, making that triangle formation with his hands all menacing-like and uh, being able to trade him to uh, to some other team if, if he doesn't end up starting for the Patriots. But, I mean, that being said, Bill Belichick is probably the coach in the league uh, that listens to sunk cost fallacy the least you know mm-hmm. if, if zappy is the one who's performing and he's looked a lot better than mac jones has this year um there is a universe where he says you know what yeah you're the guy now um i have opinions on zappy uh I, i'll let scotty i'm looking up some uh, statistics <laughs> on the defenses he's played right now so if you have any um, uh, opinions you can go ahead real quick i'm not Planning on this being I, I don't have I don't have the strongest opinions on Zappy. I didn't watch him that much. Uh, I just catch the Patriots when I'm in red zone usually. I have no desire to watch the Patriots usually. Uh, but I think that just based on what he did and 
he looked good. Like in what I saw from him and what his numbers look like, great game. No one's going to deny that he looked great this week. Is that going to be enough to actually get him opportunity? It probably helps that when Mac Jones got hurt, he was having one of the worst games of his career, but it's hard to like replace a first round pick one that usually is known for playing safe and not having these awful games. And I know, Dakota, you said that Bill Belichick's the type to not fall into sunk cost fallacy that much. That's usually because his draft picks suck. <laughs> He's ready to give up <laughs> that, on his terrible draft picks. That That is fair. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I mean, obviously people are going to make and have made ad nauseum the comparisons of Tom Brady with Drew Bledsoe, um, where Bledsoe had plenty of gas left in the tank. Um, and, you know, he made the, the decision to ultimately go with Brady, who nobody really believed in after seeing a little bit from him. Um, now, I, I don't... <laughs> that That's like... That is the outlier of outliers you're, you're um, getting you're, yeah you're getting what i'm gonna say anyway so right oh uh, well, yeah you go ahead and say it then <laughs> yeah i mean patriots fans were spoiled for 20 years by tom brady and there's not going to be another tom brady it's just not happening the how common it is for a backup qb a day three backup was he day three he was like, yeah he was fourth round correct yep. yeah Day three backup QB to actually take over the starting job is so rare. It's just incredibly rare. It's not something that happens. It can happen. You know, someone in the chat just mentioned Dak Prescott. Obviously, Dak Prescott looked like a beast in preseason. He lucked into the role from Romo getting hurt, and he damn well got a grip on it. Zappy could do the same thing. Yeah, I and... don't know if it's going to happen, but... It's a good start. Kirk Cousins is also a date. Or was he a third or fourth rounder? I thought he was fourth. He was a fourth round pick. Yeah, so he's a date quarterback yeah, as well. Right. That was and obviously drafted. Tom Brady, but we mentioned him. I, I yeah. think that this is a nice little feather in Zappy's cap, which is so fun to say. Um, Zappy's is... cappy? <laughs> Zappy's <laughs> little cappy. cappy? I mean, hey, my, my profile picture is a cappy bara. Make of that what you will. Um... <laughs> But, but Zappy Capybara. <laughs> Zappy Capybara, you know? Uh, no cap, Ibarra. Um, you know, Zappy, I don't know how much time he had running with anybody who's, who's a starter, really, um, for the Patriots. And one thing that you can't take away from him at all is the fact that his first NFL action was on the road in Lambeau, and pulling out the W there. I believe um, they actually lost in overtime. Oh, did, did they <laughs> yes. lose that game? But the fact that he kept the minute is still impressive enough. Right, yeah. He he looks, like, legitimately electric. And I'm not memeing when I say this, but, like, he he has looked more he, – he's looked the most electric. Uh, it's been a very limited sample size. But he's looked the most electric out of any rookie QB. Um, and I'm including Kenny Pickett. And I and I'm not I'm not speaking like meme talk right now. I, I really mean that Zappy has looked damn impressive on the field, and what he's done has been 
um, has been good stuff. So I just looked at the defenses that he's played so far um, while you guys were chatting about it. Uh, the Green Bay Packers actually do have a very good defense, but that was a small sample size for Zappi as he was in for about half the game. Um, his first start was against the world-renowned stout defense of the Detroit Lions, who are currently ranked 32nd in basically every notable category. Um, and then he played against the Cleveland Browns, who rank 19th overall in yardage allowed. However, only 13th allowed, so about average, slightly above against the pass. Um, his, his weapons outside of Jacoby Myers are fairly uninspiring. Hunter Henry is a very good tight end. Johnny Smith should be a very good tight end. I don't know why they signed them both. Um, and you have uh, Devontae Parker, who obviously Tyquan does Thornton, a decent though, job on the he... outside. Tyquan Thornton looked good in his first appearance. Yeah. But it's not like they really... They're not world burners. They spend way too much money on them. I'm not going to get into that. But the receiving core is mediocre at best. I would look at who the receivers are on an average franchise, and if I compared them against other teams, I'd probably pick the other teams more often than not. So I think he's doing very impressively with who he has there. The defenses have not been particularly stout, but it's not like he has the offensive tools to help him. What I really wish is just that Bailey Zappi was on a different team. Because I do think they're just going to go right back to the safe play in Mar like in uh, Mac Jones. And we may not see Zappi play again for two, three years. As soon as Jones comes back and reclaims the role. Whereas if you had him in a team like Atlanta or Detroit or... Well, I would say Seattle, but Geno Smith is having a resurgence now. Uh, you might actually be able to have enough of a run where you could really see what he could do. But I get the feeling that at best, Zappi will end up having like a Gardner Minshew type career where whatever team he's on, you think, and eh, maybe he's the guy, and then inevitably the guy he's behind just goes off. Um, yep. Answer yes, your question no. that you uh, put Jesus in the uh, live chat. I would not trade Zeke for Zappy in Superflex. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's such a that's such an okay. insane valuation. Yeah. Um, I I think you know, like obviously Zappy. Other than other than the Packers, the other two defenses that he that he hasn't or that he's played have not been that good. But that being said, it, um, he, he, at the end of the day, did what he needed to do, which is win, right? Mm -hmm. And he came damn close in that Packers game on the road against a stout defense, um, which I, I, I just can't express like how impressive that is that a third-string quarterback um, brought them to the brink. Now, you know putting on my bears cap and being a Packers hater, uh, I'm going to say, well, you know, of course a third string quarterback would, uh, you know, bring them to the brink because the Packers are a poverty franchise and not very good. But, uh, I think it's, it's impressive either way. Anytime that you're a third string quarterback and you come in and the offense doesn't necessarily lose a step, um, you know, from <laughs> Brian Hoyer, uh, 
But it, but like, the offense looks like it, it's had a nice little spark with him that it just simply didn't with the extremely limited action that Brian Hoyer had and kind of a uh, little bit of a sophomore slump that Mac Jones has been having. Um, so I, I think where you see him being on the Patriots as a negative, um, that's, that's kind of, I, I'm seeing that as a, as a positive. Cause I think that, you know, he doesn't have the draft capital, um, but he, he's part of a system that would not potentially be afraid to go with him, I think. Um, so I think it's a positive that he's there and, and he's doing very well. I'm, I'm excited to see Zappy. At, at worst, I think uh, he's a hold in the same way that Gardner Minshew is. Um, but at best, I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, and I mean, I would really love it for him to take off because I went to the game at home where he had his first start. So I'd be able to, you know, go back and say, oh, yeah, I remember when Hall of Fame quarterback Bailey Zappi had his first start. I was there. That'd be cool. I was there when they turned on the lights. Yeah. So gave him a smack on the butt on his way out. You're like, good game, champ. Yeah. I blew him a kiss, gave him a wink, you know, throughout my digits. He didn't take them, but you got to shoot your shot. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that'd be really great. And I'd love it. And I always love these underdog stories. Um, And obviously, we do have a precedent of a fourth rounder taking over for a first rounder with Kirk Cousins in Washington. So well, that was injury related. That was injury related, <laughs> but Mac Jones has a talent injury. So Oof. Bailey Zappi could still be the guy. Yeah, and so, it's worth noting that if he's going to be doing this for another couple weeks, I mean, they have what the Bears this week and then the Jets after that. Those are could both have... two pretty stout defenses. So we're going to see what yeah. he's made of. Yeah, it's um, going to be interesting. It'll be That's a lot for sure. It'll be a lot of fun, and I think a lot more eyes are going to be on the Patriots than normal over the next couple of weeks while Zappy's doing Zappy things. Yeah, I I think that the Bears, the Bears should be a W for him, but I I think that the Jets, that that is a that's a great contest there since that seems to be a young defense that's on the rise and also you know a divisional rival. If if he goes. If if he goes two and zero, which would be that'd be four and zero as a starter, right? Yep. Yeah. It, if he does that, I think the conversation gets very interesting. And then um, we're getting into Dak Prescott territory. We we might be getting into Dak Prescott territory, especially with uh, Jesus now telling us in live chat that Breer. I don't know who that is, but I'll take his word for that. Him, eh, I'll take his word for it that that's someone that's important. Uh, he's saying that uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots relationship is having issues. In yeah, I did to see Zappy that. having uh, particular success and a rising cult following among Patriots fans. I can't wait for the crowd to go mild when Mac Jones goes to the Panthers next year to throw to DJ Moore. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, what I think will be really interesting is if Mac Jones comes back in his first game and he plays, and you see a couple three and outs to start the game at home if the crowd starts chanting for Zappy, because being at the game after they smoked the lions it's the lions let's pump the brakes a little bit but the crowd was chanting his name very loudly and they were very into him and i think a lot of that does reach the front office and in part of that bill belichick and saying oh hey this guy's getting it done and the fans love him and he makes a quarter of what mac jones makes if not less 
Well, yeah, is I there mean, a chance that Mac is going to be back this week, or as, or as early as this week? I mm-hmm. saw there was a report that it might happen. So we'll find out. It would definitely be interesting. They might keep him out an extra week just because they have Zappy. Yeah, I I think the the Bears, uh, you know, were not the most formidable team in the league. So if if Mac Jones is not a hundred percent. But, like for any reason whatsoever, I, uh, I don't think that'd be the worst idea to maybe hold him out and, and let Zappy do his thing. Yeah. So, with that, we can only talk so much about a guy who's played two games in his career. Um, we are going to move on to some community-related things. Uh, we have some new mods. We have some new rules, and I have a personal little project that i'm working on behind the scenes that uh i'm gonna need your guys' help with um the first one uh bug who we had last week scotty who's here right now and then eclipse and josh have joined the mod staff um a lot of you are asking earlier how we come up with who we're going to add and why we even added more in the first place I guess I'm really the only one with the insight on that process, so I'll just take the lead on it. And if uh, you two either have any questions or any comments you want to make on how we do things, uh, yeah, let, let me just say that I'm very glad I have a lawyer's income and was able to use that to my advantage in this process. Yes, he paid me a lot of money, but not really. Uh, basically, what we do is we look at people who have been active for a while who never really get into trouble. Uh, who are consistent contributors and seem to have a decent head on their shoulders. Uh, A lot of our users are very good members who either haven't been around for that long, and we just... I wouldn't even say we have a queue. Uh, It just comes along to... We look at the community and we say, uh, would this person... Like, does anyone have an issue with this guy at all? And or do their opinions when they dm us about certain situations uh line up with what we're going for um some of the mods they're unhateable some of the other mods uh they would send us messages here and there saying uh hey what's going on with this and i'm just i just sit there and say hey you're right um i won't say which ones are which because that's for their sake and ours but Basically, the four guys that we had uh, have been around for three years each uh, and have never really given us any issues and just do a good job of leading the community. Um, We just thought it was time. The reason that we even had to add mods in the first place is, uh, well, we've had two quit over the last year, and we have three more who either, well, I guess four more, including Sam, who either just are hands-off now and just want to hang out and or uh, just don't want to do the job in an active capacity. They don't want to have to watch the chat and babysit. So we felt with the rolling out of our new rules and really tightening down on Rule 1, which has been a lot of work for me this week, uh, we decided we needed some extra help. And these were guys that we figured we could trust, um, there was several more. It's just at a certain point, you can't have the entire chat with the hammer. Uh, there have been some who have asked, well, why wasn't I given it? And 
Well, to be entirely honest with you, if you're asking, you're not necessarily what we're looking for. We don't want people who want the job. It sucks. It's so, like that one quote. Uh, uh, what what cartoon was it where they're like, uh, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Yeah, basically. I think Angelica says that in Rugrats. It's <laughs> I, that, that that's a quote that I actually frequently say in my personal life. <laughs> yeah, it's if you have to ask, don't ask us, we'll ask you, kind of thing. Um, right. We when, uh, generally when... reassess every so often. We'll reconvene. It'll be me or Solar finally getting fed up with yelling at people, and we kind of come together and say, hey, uh, you know, we could use a little extra help. For me in particular, I keep trying to bring forth new projects, whether Pete was the one that brought up remaking the podcast, um, and at this point I've kind of taken the lead in adding new topics and producing it, and also on the backside doing things like the invitational and having more time for me to be able to do stuff like that i need other people who can do the day-to-day -day stuff so we added people to do that and it gives us the opportunity to bring forth more content along with you know enforcing if we if we say we're going to enforce rules and then we don't have anyone there to do it then nothing happens uh so making sure that having more people and more eyes to enforce that so that people don't gang up on other people that's one thing in particular we've really tried to clamp down on over the last couple of days um i think that goes a long way and just making sure someone's there to support people even if it's not muting people it's just making sure there's a level head there to try to cool everyone off and take a step back because at the end of the day we're talking about fantasy football none of the shit matters um and we it, we're all dynasty movement members and that's what matters before anything else and we're all homies and we're smarter than everyone else so even if we disagree we all got to where we were going for a reason and i think that's the big point we're trying to push so i guess that also includes the new rules but some of them were too were just like little oversights like you can't name yourself something racist anymore and get away with it we just codified it you couldn't anyway but we just wanted to have it in the rules uh and stuff like soliciting so that you have scammers and stuff posting shit all the time we would always deal with it we just wanted to make sure it was written down um we had people oh, I get it. you can solicit our patreon that doesn't exist though yes pay me don't pay them um, but if you still do have a project that you want pushed forward, just send it to us, and we want to vet it first before you just go out there, you know, asking for pennies. Um, and then the last one was just, uh, let me actually look here. Uh, yeah, it was mod impersonation. That one, it's even just people trying to take things into their own hands if someone's being a jerk, saying stupid things. Well, if you start doing that, well, all of a sudden we have an issue of telling who started it and who didn't. We're just going to take out both of you. Because it's too much work for us as unpaid moderators to decide, oh, hey, well, this guy was being a jerk to this guy, and this guy responded and retaliated, and now, like, I'm not digging into that, and the rest of us aren't going to either. So if you see issues, just let us know. Don't take it into your own hands. We'll, we'll take care of it for you. But moving on. Yeah, Burn, I just wanted to say yes. one thing. Go ahead. That... When you were talking about earlier about, like, you'll contact anyone that's interested or anything, uh -huh. or that you're interested in making a mod, when you DM'd me, out of the blue, I was 
playing video games or something. I just thought you were talking about like a mafia game. Oh, You're no, like, I'm not even that server anymore. <laughs> we need you to come moderate this mafia game for us. No, I'm like, I'm what are you talking that. about? No. I was so caught off guard. I was not that surprised, ultimately, because I have such a good relationship with so many of the mods. I've met and had drinks with Solar in real life. But it was it was interesting. I was honored to be asked. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to my first ban. Yes. And a lot of you who have asked, like, hey, what about me? Was I considered? Probably. Um, we went over, I want to say it was 20 different users. Um, where pretty much all of which were generally agreed upon. Where it's like, if we need more, probably. Uh, but it just came down to guys who are consistently active for three years. Which is difficult enough to find. And in over three years, I've never even so much as been, like, told, like, hey, like, maybe think about doing something different. Like, not even, like, a warning. It's just their track records are immaculate. No, They've never even been accused of, like, trolling. So that's that's basically where we went. We're always on the lookout. People come and go. And then the other community thing, and I'm only going to tease it for now because I don't have all of the details done yet. And it might change, but I do have a name, and that's the Dynasty Movement Rivals series. Uh, it's going to be a league, and it is going to be team-based, where you get points based on where your team ends at the end of the season. Um, it won't be head-to-head, -head, it'll just be total points, and if you're in top place, then you'll get 100 points, or 50 points, or however many teams there are, and it goes down. But each roster, so let's say... The three of us are in this, plus Jack, who's in the channel, right? Like, uh, chatting in the live chat right now. It would be, like, 2v2, where mine plus Jack's total points... Or, like, if I got first and he got fourth, I would get four points, he would get one. And then uh, Dakota would get second, he would get three points. Scotty, you get two points in third place. So that would be a tie. But, basically, we would do it on MFL with however many replicas that we need, however many duplicates... And just basically on how good you are, just contributes to your team's total points. Uh, and you can make trades within your team or across to try to even out, oh, hey, I have Corey Davis sitting on my bench all year, and the guy behind me needs a wide receiver. Well, you can try to prop them up and hope it doesn't hurt you. But for now, we're trying to get that set up either Dynasty Movement versus FF Chat or versus Twitter. And if we can't do that, then we'll do it internally. But that's all I can say for now because there are way, way more details going on than just the thousand foot view. And with that, let's get into community questions. Uh, da, 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 da. First question of the day. Who do you guys think has more pass attempts for the rest of the season? Marcus Mariota or Justin Fields? This question is from Weaves. Uh... As the resident fields expert, Dakota, feel free to lead the way. <laughs> uh, any any question about fields? I think that there's a couple uh, are gonna be preceded by a long sigh. Um, <laughs> for who has more pass attempts? Uh, do you mind if I if I roll this into uh, uh, Jack? Ask you know just my general opinions about fields. Yeah, go for it. So, I mean, uh, killing two birds with one stone here, 
I I do think that uh, I think that Fields will have more pass attempts this season, uh, just because I I could very easily see a reality in which Mariota either gets hurt or he gets benched to see what the rookie QB does. And uh, I don't think Trevor Simeon is quite pushing uh, Fields out the same way. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of where I was going to go with it. One is an entrenched starter, however difficult of a season he's having. And Mariota is not nearly as entrenched with Ritter knocking. Exactly. But like, that's no disrespect to to Mariota. Like he's, he's had a pretty respectable season so far. And, uh, you know, is about met my expectations for him. Um, but for, for fields himself, uh, you know, the, the question is, will it get any better or is he a bigger sinking ship than the Titanic? Um, size wise, he is not bigger than the Titanic, which was quite a large ship. Um, (laughs) but I think that the answer is, uh, both. Um, I think that there is hope for fields in that he has looked marginally better um this week and last week um you know he he certainly had those flashes Uh, any way that you cut the the comeback uh, against the vikings even though they they lost that was really impressive Um, and you know he's had some solid quarters that he's put together where you you just think like man maybe maybe this guy can be something that being said as I've said uh, a couple times um, as the topic has come up lately, I think that Fields ultimately is a bust, and it's not necessarily his fault. Um, again, I don't think that it's a valuable question asking if he's talented or not. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that he was drafted onto one of the worst franchises in the NFL, given zero support uh as a matter of fact he's been given negative support as they took away weapons on both offense and defense um and this new regime doesn't seem particularly interested in having him in their long-term plans i think that it's more likely than not that fields will be the starter next year but there's a non-zero chance that they ultimately go with somebody else either in the draft or through free agency because we are stacked um with uh with our cap space um but it's just kind of like at that point he's gonna have pretty much two full seasons you know dalton started a little bit last year but he's gonna have close to two full seasons of bad uh bad habits not really any weapons and we know Nagy was a terrible coach, and Eberflus isn't really, honestly, looking that much better. So you're kind of counting on a guy to go against the odds, and you know you can believe in in a team really uh, focusing on a QB's development or not. But the fact of the matter is, it's like if a guy doesn't succeed in his rookie year. Um, but he, he goes on to succeed. That's usually because a franchise is concerned with getting uh, getting him all the weapons that they can possibly surround him with and building around him with every resource that they have. And the Bears have not done that. Um, so at this point, I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to end up being a bust. I would love to be proven wrong, but it is 
not fucking Tiggle Baco, our resident name changer, has asked, how do we avoid burnout in Dynasty football? I like that one. I know. I saw that question, and I'm like, yep, (laughs) that one's getting hit. Yeah, I can uh, start this one off a little bit because I kind of have a set answer I've given for this before. Fire away. That you take breaks. You don't need to stay on all the time. After the Super Bowl... I pretty much stop thinking about football for at least a month, two months until I start really getting ready for the draft. I'm usually not super active in the discord during that time. I'm doing other things with my life during the season. I'm not on every week. I don't watch every single Sunday. Usually when the bucks are on by I'm on by I'll use that to be a Sunday where I go out and do other things. It, if you really love football, and you're enjoying it every single time, that's great. You can always be looking at your teams. It's all about just finding the right balance for yourself. Like, how much do you really need to be engaged to enjoy yourself? Would you be better off maybe taking a day off from watching football? Don't look at your teams for a few days. You don't need to always be on. I just think that stepping away and doing other things can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm fairly similar. After the Super Bowl, I usually take off until about a month before the draft. I'll keep an eye on certain guys and see, like, the Combine in particular is a weekend for me where I really tune in. Uh, because I am a Combine believer, as stupid as that may be. Um, but a big one that I have, especially mid, like, July or whatever, is... I'll start looking at startups. Uh, I'm only in four leagues, so I generally keep it pretty low, but I'll consider one right around then if I'm just really tuned out. Uh, Because for me, it's always keeping it fresh and keeping it new. Another thing I'll do is the uh, Jesus approach and just start trading like crazy. I'll just start sending out random offers just just to mix it up a little bit. Anything that keeps it a little exciting and a little new for me is all it takes. Even if it's just, oh, I sent a third-round pick for Josh Kelly. (laughs) Just, like, something little, you know? It's just get a little bit of movement, get a little bit of chatter going. Uh, That's usually all it takes for me. Um, One thing I do want to try this offseason is to do a mock draft. And at the end of the draft, if everyone's happy with their team, say, hey... If all 12 or 14 or whatever, however many people are in it, are cool with it, let's just start a season with this draft. Um, and if not, if everyone's not cool with it, we can just re-roll and try again. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think my approach to not feeling burnout, or when I do feel burnout, is pretty similar to Scotty, you know? Um, like, I... I left the server for a couple months just to, like, take my mind off of it. Um, I think if you're not having fun watching football each Sunday, um, and I I mean that divorce from fantasy, uh, if you find yourself just, like, exclaiming, like, and having genuine, like, uh, angst and sorrow over, like, you know, when a guy gets two yards because you're playing him in one of your leagues, like, I think that that's... That's maybe your cue to, to like, lay off the, the fantasy aspect a little bit. 
because um, like at that point it's not really like fun, you know. So if it's not fun, then maybe examine like why it's not fun and and don't be afraid to take breaks because um, it, it's crucial for uh, you know making sure that you are having fun in the future <laughs> and that's actually a topic that we did have for today that we ended up scrapping because we went a little long on other ones was uh valentine brought it up for us um and that's when you're making trades or just playing in general it's value versus fun and i mean i do that a lot i traded deontay johnson for josh dotson john dotson i don't know why i said josh josh dotson whatever john dotson for deontay johnson straight up uh, just because I wanted Dotson, and I thought it'd be fun. It's a terrible trade. Horrible value. But you know what? I got my guy, and I had a lot of fun, and I really love that trade. Um, and it's just little things like that. Like, we play this game to enjoy it. So yeah, if we're not just, enjoying uh, it, I step away. And it's usually yeah, during the offseason. I was say that reminds me of last year when I made a trade exclusively for the reaction on TDM. I liked the trade, but I traded Brandon Ayuk for Corder L. Patterson last year. Just because I, I knew, that. just yep. because I knew that when I posted the screenshot in here, people would go wild. Didn't you win the I championship in that league? I did, and that was partially because of Patterson. Well, great trade then. Yeah, That's I what... love the trade, and he's still doing good this year when he's been healthy. I think that a was... lot of people lose the forest for the trees in this. Like, we're playing to have fun, but you play to win, and if you win, who gives a shit what it costs? Yeah, well, have some fun with it, you know. I, I gotta say that that trade that you made, Scotty, was uh, on the short list of my favorite moments on the server. <laughs> like just the way that everybody was absolutely losing their minds because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't oh. matter like what kind of guy it was, whether they were analytics or like film guys or whatever. <laughs> everybody just agreed that was a terrible trade. Oh, other terrible. than the fact that like the the it meme value was trade. through the roof. And it, it, it did work out in your favor, you know? Like, you you took, like, the... the It was such a perfect storm of, like, <laughs> you take the guy that everybody agreed had so much talent in Brandon Ayuk, but he had a slow start to the year, versus the guy who was on the Brandon Whedon slash Delaney Walker path of career success in Cordero Patterson, who, how old was he last year at the time? 28, 29? 29, 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he was on that uh, Brandon Whedon breakout age, um, so probably in, like, the, the zero percentile for that, and who who had that hot start, and you just said, you know what, let's just, let's hit the total chaos button <laughs> and, and have people just running around on fire. It, it was, that was, my, my head is off to you. That was a wonderful moment. And for me, right. in here, nothing, I love nothing more than when someone makes a claim like something even remotely outrageous but then they make a trade to back it up like the moment yeah, you show you actually believe it is phenomenal to me yeah. so, so when you were I fading was... brandon Ayuk and said you know what i'm gonna go and win it with cordero patterson like that's putting your money where your mouth is and i will listen to that every time and he's going to win me another title this year. You're goddamn <laughs> right. No, it, this week, Ayuk finally passed Patterson in scoring on the season. After Patterson's been out for, what, two weeks, it took for Brandon Ayuk to catch up for to catch up to him. You uh, are goddamn <laughs> right. 
that vaunted Mariota to Patterson connection. It's gonna go in the go into Canton, one of the paths <laughs> between them. So I got a quick one here from Josh. Um, has dual chick surpassed Hawk for best hair on a tight end in the NFL? Yes. Next question. Correct. <laughs> um, oh geez, I didn't line another one up yet. That was quick. Uh, okay, Demuse, and that's a long U, has asked. We're about a third of the way through the season now. What hyped up fantasy players? Are you now ready to give up on? Uh, hyped up for this season, or there's like, no oh. clarification. Well, I think. Oh, I he's think in so. the live chat. Let's take. Let's give he's, him a second. Okay. Okay. Let's. He let's refuses to clarify. All, all right. I like that. Fuck yourself. I like, a, I like a man who's shrouded in mystery. <laughs> um, I mean, we we've kind of talked about this a couple times, but like. I think uh, I think I'm actually I don't think I I have given up on DJ Moore being an elite asset. Well, now I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, um, he's the one that that jumps out to me uh, immediately. I can't really think of any rookies this year that I'm out on. I've defended you know Christian Watson and had to take a shower a couple of times from doing that uh, but there's no rookies really that i'm ready to give up on um at this point at their capital um and i can't really think of any sophomore guys even you know like i'm screaming to buy elijah moore even though he hasn't really done anything yeah i don't i don't know um what about you guys i'm gonna make some enemies <laughs> i mean i've already been vocal that i'm out on sky moore I've been so disappointed with his start. I wouldn't have brought you on the show if I knew you were going to say that. You know what? Uh, you brought me here, and now I'm here. Sky Moore has been a disappointment. Fight on, fight on for He's Western. He's been a failure. Never. He is playing, what, 30% of snaps still, six weeks in. It's been ugly. And, yes, there's all the narrative of, like, he can take some time. Maybe he just needs more time to develop. Yes, they have Juju there playing the slot. History isn't on his side. There's... Western Michigan has never had a high-drafted wide receiver bust. Yeah, I wonder why. Never. Corey (laughs) Davis, D. Eskridge are elite. Skymore's joining them. Oy, burn, burn, burn. (laughs) You just gotta let it go, man. I'm excited for our next second-round bust. I don't know who it is yet, but it'll be great. (laughs) I I guess, like, Skymore... Maybe this is also blasphemy, but I I guess I would agree with you by saying I would be, not that I am, but I would be more worried about Sky more than Christian Watson. Is that a hot take? Nah, no. That's fine. I'm, I'm about the same on them. As a Western Michigan alumni, um, obviously I am rooting very heavily for Sky Moore to succeed. Um, and I'm not as worried about him as normally as... Or as much as I probably should be. Uh, probably because of that, but I also know he has a lot of talent. And what the Kansas City offense is kind of a shit show as to who actually gets targets on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah. Christian, Christian Watson's different to me because I already viewed him as a project coming in. 
Yeah. I thought he was overdrafted both in real life and in rookie drafts. He always seemed like he was going to need some time. Sky Moore wasn't supposed to be that type of guy. And I've tried. I've tried digging through past drafts and players of anyone that was a day one or two pick that played as low of a snap share out the gate as Sky Moore, and I just cannot find any that turned out to be any good. It's so rare, other than guys who were hurt. Yeah. It's just history isn't on his side, and that makes me, if I can re-roll, if I can sell him for a high second, mid-second, I'm going to do that. Less than that, might as well hold, see what happens, but he's a guy that if I can re-roll, I will. Fair. Yeah, I, I also think just kind of even some of the rumors that are uh, going around, and also, yes, sell Sky more for Zappy if you can. Last chance to Don't do, do so. that. <laughs> Don't do that, uh, people. I'll be the person here. I'll save you. Don't do that. Uh, but but even like looking looking like around the the rumors as sort of like a temperature check. You have um, the Chiefs being heavily favored, I guess, uh, or rumored to be going after Odell. Um, whereas the Packers are doing just Packers things, and they they didn't go after Robbie Anderson, who is very obviously on the trade block this week. Um, they haven't signed uh, Will Fuller, um, who may or may not <laughs> be retired at this point. Yeah, I'm sitting on him in a league, and I'm waiting. Um, like, I mean, there's just not really any rumors about the Packers uh, doing anything for wide receiver. I don't care how many times uh, uh, play-eating Aaron Rodgers says that he expects them to be. Because there's a vast history that we have to draw on of the Packers riding or dying, usually dying for their guys. I mean, their number one receiver right now is Alan Lazard. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, and Dakota, you know, I brought oh, this up earlier that in the entire Aaron Rodgers era, since he has been the quarterback right. of the Packers, they have signed two wide receivers who have caught a pass, Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins. They have not traded for any other wide receivers. They have not signed any other wide receivers. And Randall Cobb-ish. Yeah, I guess that counts. Yeah, they, they, the, they did draft uh, him, and then he left. Yes, that, let, let's throw that one in there. But the last time Over they traded, years. the last time they traded for a wide receiver was Corin Robinson in 2006. <laughs> right. They don't. They don't go for wide receivers they draft them and if it doesn't work out i guess it's just not going to work out and then they don't but, draft more but but the thing is, is like if it doesn't work out then they will still have them on their team to be like the wide receiver like four you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, that, that amari rogers route right right so like i'm i'm just confident like with christian watson they are going to give him every single benefit of every single doubt that that he has they are going to exhaust every angle with him before moving on whereas sky Moore is in a different kind of spot where kansas city is just bringing guys in and doing whatever uh they're gonna do to keep their championship window open um and and the packers you know they just don't have that championship aspiration that the chiefs do i'll say it I mean, you're right. Um, so <laughs> I, I teased mine a little bit. A lot of people have been saying James Cook in the chat, but I don't think he's hyped enough 
to really be one of these guys. I mean, everyone kind of... For me, I expected him to be like a McKissick guy. But the guy that I think is very hyped that I'm out on is Gabe Davis. Whoa. Yeah, fight me. Um, I'll take. I don't think that a guy who is averaging over 20 yards per reception is sustainable. His most receptions in a game this season is four, and that was week one. Uh, he doesn't get more than six targets a game, and he's currently valued as a top 24 wide receiver. He basically survives on 50-yard touchdowns. I'm not buying that guy. I think he's a very good wide receiver, but for his price and where he's going and the points he's scoring right now, I don't think that's sustainable at all, and I think you can get someone that's a much more dependable player for the price. I, I have a counter question to your answer. Yes. But what if he is, though? Uh, then he's the best wide receiver of all time. Yeah. Burn, it sounds to me like you're punishing the guy for being so good. He's just so successful. He can't help but to get in the end zone when he gets the ball. I'm. All I'm going to say is I'm going to bet against someone being better than Randy Moss. <sighs> That's disappointing. <laughs> if he is, you know what? I'll eat my words if he is. But <laughs> right now, I think he is a fine fantasy asset. I would be very happy if I had him. I'm not buying him. And if I had him, I'd sell him. That's fair. All right. Well, we've got like 10 minutes left before Pete actually flies over the Atlantic and murders me. So we're going to do rapid fire for the last ones here. Uh, basically like a sentence here. Um, this one's for you specifically, Scotty. How do you feel about Albert O? Yes or no? I'm out on him. He's basically dust at this point. He had his shot. There was some hope for him when they got rid of Fance, obviously. He was never that great at a, as a receiver. I think that uh, last year when people got excited for him, he was still not even running routes very much. He never had more than 20 routes in a game last year. This year, they let him lead out the gate as a starter. It really didn't work out, and now Greg Dolchich is there and has taken over, and I don't think that's going to change. Fair enough. Silver, you can take that one to trade polls. Uh, Jesus asks, what do you do with a die obviously dying asset um, when one or two tankers control 90% of future draft capital? In his case, the example is Zeke Elliott. Um, do you hold out for perceived value um, or trade him for less than that value? Like Bailey Zappi. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's no, we mentioned that earlier when I said don't Zappy. trade him for Zappi. I think that I know for a fact that this trade actually went down. Oh, and I Jesus think Christ. All, I think I didn't it. Did it not? Yes, go it down? He, he actually did that trade. Like, <laughs> yeah. so oh, shit. He, to me, Hell this yeah. is all just mental and uh, we're, this is all mental gymnastics and word salad for us to give you permission to trade Zeke for Zappy. Fuck. If you need permission, then you have it. Like, get after it. I but, support that deal. I support you. I think but... that I think it's a beautiful deal. I think that it should make everyone involved happy. I love that. And I I, I love I it, but I would a, never do it. As a community, we are better off for that deal. Yes. I, I thank you. I do agree. And I will say that like given this hypothetical that I that I know is not the case for what happened, I think that in the hypothetical you gave that is an acceptable trade because I think Zeke is falling off an absolute cliff this year with his value. Whereas Zappy, you know, sky's the limit, baby. And I ain't talking sky more. 
I mean, as JRH so astutely said, in five years, he wins the trade no matter what because Zappy will be in the league and Zeke will be retired. True. So, a win's a win, right? <laughs> hey, we're, I mean, we're playing the long game here. If, if we're working on the five-year timeline, uh, you're in, absolutely right. In actuality, um, I have this actually happening with me right now with Mike Evans, although it's on a much longer timeline because he's still very talented. Um, I'm just going to let him retire on my team because I don't think any value that I will get in a trade for him will be worth as much as what he puts up. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I He can play until that. he's done. I'm fine. He's one I, of my I guys. Dying elite assets, I think, I'm totally okay with them retiring on my team. Like, I have Julio Jones in a couple spots. They've got to retire somewhere. Team. May as well be here. I, right. Like, I, I'm fine with Julio Jones retiring on my team. Uh, like, I'm sure that... I, I personally think that he's going to, you know, have some value later on in the season when they uh, don't let Chris Godwin rest for the seventh time this year. Yeah, they need to um, fucking figure and, that out. Give him a week has, off. Jesus. Yeah. Oh and Tammy is like, you know, 47%. So they're like, get out there, old man. And, <laughs> and he looks like his old self before he just like, uh, you know, ascends to some higher level of being. Um, just a pure hamstring. He, he just becomes a pure hamstring. Um, but yeah, those elite guys, I'm, I'm okay with them retiring. Up yeah. You know what? When it's all said and done, for me... Mike Evans, who I drafted in 2015 on my original home league team, will have that number 13 banner hanging up on my fantasy <laughs> league page. And that's I mean, all you that do matters. That, you, you can't ever have a guy with the number 13 again. Oh, I'll cut him. I won't even trade him. Like, they're gone. Like, I don't even know who else is 13 out there. I'm looking at my Mike Evans jersey. The only... I have a Mike Evans and Matt Stafford jersey. That's how in I am on this guy. I love it. Uh, that's it. You know what? He's If I have a Hall of Famer and they're obviously on the way down, they're my guy. Whatever. I don't care. Like, what are you even going to get for Zeke nowadays anyway? Like, a second? A Bailey Zappi even? Yeah. Real, <laughs> realistically, nobody with a first-round pick in this draft, even if they're competing, is going to look at Zeke and be like, oh, yeah, I'm cool with giving up on a potentially franchise talent for a dude who's obviously toast after, like, at least next yeah. year. No one's going to do that. The, so just keep the guy. I get the idea, though. Like, when you are tanking, you're nothing else. You're just well, yeah, but, but if you're tanking, well, that's just it. If you need to get something for him, in my case with Mike Evans, it's a home league, so obviously my league, my team is just ridiculously stacked. Um, but yeah, in your case, if you're playing against real people, uh, yeah, and you need to get value out of Zeke, just trade him for whatever you can get. Right. That's, that's fine. Even if, even if it's like people. two third-round picks, you know what? Two dart throws versus Zeke. Well, Zeke's never going to do anything for you before you're competing again anyway. And Man, you're not going to cut him, a, so just get whatever you can. Send everyone who has Zeke two-thirds for him. Just do it. Chances are they're they're near the bottom of your league anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Find the league taco. He'll give you a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question here. Is Daniel Jones the future quarterback of New York of the New York football giants. This question asked by Bushido Jones. If by future you mean next week, then sure. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> even next year, depending on how they do. I mean, if they're picking like 25th, well, they're probably not going to be in a spot to replace them anyway. 
Yeah, it's tough to say because he is on a contract year, correct? I believe so. They did not pick up his fifth year. Right. I want right. to say. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like they're winning too many games to replace him in the draft. Pro- I would guess a bridge tag. contract. Yeah, maybe something like what Jameis got from the Saints. Like a like one or two year deal just to lock him down to make sure you have someone while your team around them is good enough to compete. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But how is? Stat-wise, how is he actually doing this year, personally? I know that he's on pace for an insane number of rushing yards. Yeah, he... He is a very underrated rusher. I will say that. His his rushing is, like, you don't even have to qualify it. He is an impressive rusher. He is an elite rushing quarterback. Yeah. I would say he's top five right up there with Josh Allen. Um, Obviously not as good as Hurts and Lamar, but those guys are just stupid. He's um, averaging just under 40 rush yards a game this year. That's, yeah. I mean, you're basically rolling out a mediocre at best passer with a mediocre running back. And that's not a bad single yeah. slot as far as fantasy goes. But yeah. I mean, they're winning games. I think yeah. that he gets a deal if they make it past. It, I, I I think he gets a deal if they win a play in a they win a playoff game. The big the one, too, or the divisional. is in six games. He only has five passing touchdowns, but he only has two interceptions. Well, he has two rushing touchdowns, so seven touchdowns, two interceptions. As far as a game manager goes, like, I mean, if you're competing, who are you going to find out there that's better? Well, yeah, that, that's what I mean. If, like, they have a good nucleus of their team, and if they... If they need Danny Dimes to turn into Danny take a penny, leave a penny, and they're winning games, like why not continue with that? You know, mm-hmm. um, I I think that if if you get to the postseason with him, like their defense is ridiculous, and as long as Saquon Barkley is healthy, like you have a potent offense, even if Bellinger is the 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 leading receiver on there, yeah. um, like if if he turns into a successful game manager, I don't know why you would pivot off of that. Like if he, if he looks bad down the stretch, like I could see them. I I know that I'm going to parrot this for pretty much every team who doesn't have a top pick next year, but like you could bring in Jimmy G who does the same role better, but like Dan, like, you know, maybe Daniel Jones could just be like a Jimmy G kind of guy. Yeah. Just, I see him going the Dalton route and starting until he's about 28 to 30 and then just bouncing around for a year and patching holes. Yeah, that, that sounds like probably the most likely outcome. All right, we are very short on time, so we'll do a rapid fire here. Jack asked a couple of questions, uh, and I'll probably just wrap it up with that because the other ones are uh, trade questions that we can address later. Um, Dakota, we've actually already answered this question earlier. It was about your... Uh, hope for fields so we won't dig into that one we'll jump right over to uh you scotty uh how's the mod job treating you and you ready to use that hammer fuck around and find out there you go uh for me (laughs) (laughs) as a lions fan having a uh, top pick in this draft is a blessing which 2023 qb do you want the most to lead the franchise after golf falls back to earth uh i don't overthink things bryce young's the best quarterback in this draft that's the guy i want um, anyone else is just not as good. I do like Cam Ward. I'm not really sold on C.J. Stroud. 
because just because of the Ohio State Sigma at this point. Otherwise, he looks fine. Um, that's it. Uh, and then last question that we'll answer for the day uh, for all of us, given that we're six weeks into the season, is there any guys you're looking to buy low or buy high on? And who are you looking to sell low or sell high on? We can't have a fantasy football podcast with some risers and fallers, baby. Hey, we're back. <laughs> you thought Never we left. were going to miss this? This isn't a generic podcast unless we have some risers and fallers. Um, <laughs> buy, uh, buy Elijah Moore. He, he is the most obvious buy low that I, uh, that I think that there is right now. It's very possible that he just is a bust, uh, and I'll gladly eat my hat on that, but I just don't think you do what he did last year. Um, and, and, not have the talent yeah jack that was a that was a question on who you're gonna buy and uh go ahead try to buy elijah Moore. i dare you <laughs> yeah i'll follow that up by saying one guy that i want to sell low on is elijah Moore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've been pretty disappointed from what i've seen from him i think that he's in a horrible situation hey jack you want to buy elijah Moore? <laughs> we should be in a league together we, we are like the devil and the angel on the shoulder right now and i'm the one I with them just sitting there I like, eh. like i don't like zach wilson i don't like that he's behind garrett wilson i don't like that he's behind Corey davis which hey. he was behind Corey davis last Corey year davis too is elite. yeah but like elijah moore's like outcome was never going to be this like one a alpha receiver type that's he... how people want to value him I mean, yeah, I I just don't think he was ever going to be that, but I think that he's like a high-end, like, uh, team-wise wide receiver, too. I would love for that him to be that. It's hard for me to see a path where the Jets have a productive enough passing offense that that's going to be something valuable in the next three years. So, sure. that's where I am. I am buying low on Brees Hall. Yeah, I said it. Running back one, that's just the start, baby. Get him now, because I mean, it's only going up. Yeah, only he, going he up. Could, he could go from RB1 to QB1. Exactly. You know, we'll, we'll reverse Logan Thomas. I still think you can get him for two firsts, and you know what? We're going up. I think you can still get him for Jonathan Taylor, and we're going up, baby, to the Price moon. Just went up. All the way. There's no ceiling. It's preseason. season. I do think uh, sell lows, if this is possible. Um, I mean, we already kind of covered it a little bit with Zeke. Uh, sell sell Zeke if you can get anything remotely uh, of value for him. And if you're still in a league somehow where anyone is dumb enough to believe that Cam Akers is anything, get rid of him. Even if it's a fourth-round pick, just do it. Bail. Uh, another solo I have is Antonio Gibson. Like, genuinely, though. Brian Robinson, awful thing that happened to him, obviously, but I just don't think he's very good. And the fact that he's still starting over Antonio Gibson after missing the first month and a half of the season, uh, it's not a great sign. And running backs don't just have resurgences when they move, usually, unless you're DeMarco Murray for a year. So... I mean, Brian Robinson, I love that guy. I have him on all of my dynasty leagues because he was so cheap in the draft. Oh, uh, yeah. I, li I live in D.C., less than a mile from where he was shot. Oh. 
So I have some personal connection. <laughs> hey, that's the guy Congrats. who was shot close to where I live. I've, I've, been, to, I've been to that Ben's Chili Bowl a bunch of times, right next to where it happened. So wow. where were uh, you? You know what? We're not going to... Yeah, no, that's it for the whoa. podcast tonight. That's we're it, everybody! <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Uh, we'll catch you all next week. Same time, same place. Thanks for stopping in. Of, and of course. Don't Bert call the police. Just as this is turning into a true crime podcast. This is not so a true crime never, podcast. This There's... is never about Dynasty. You know, everybody get your MeUndies subscription. We're putting the scripts. <laughs> we, we have the Audible advertisement now. We're, we're in true crime. That's where the money's at. Yep, we're getting out of here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for stopping by. We'll catch you next week.